you'll hear truly scary stories that you cannot get out of your head. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence or explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. first noticed it at breakfast. My wife Mindy and I had had the same routine for at least five years. In the morning I noticed it was no different. We would get up at 6 a.m., take turns working out, reading the news, and showering, and then take turns making the other one breakfast. The morning I noticed it, it was her turn to make the breakfast, and I was scrolling through my phone and sitting at the counter facing into the kitchen when it happened. She had her back turned to me while she cooked and we chatted while the warm spring sun shined through our condo windows, illuminating the modern angles of the recent kitchen remodel we were both so proud of. I set my phone down as she began to plate our meals, as it was our house rule to abandon all tech at mealtimes. I was a mid-level IT specialist and she worked in fashion, so 90% of our days revolved around various forms of technology, and so breakfast and dinner were our only real reprieve. She turned with both plates in her hands and moved to place mine in front of me, and that's when I noticed it. I can't really describe the feeling that filled my body as my eyes landed on my wife's gorgeous face. But the best I can explain it would be somewhere between revulsion and ice-cold fear. The face I was looking at no doubt belonged to my wife, but it also very much didn't. It was made up of her big blue eyes, her slightly upturned nose, and her wide smiling mouth, but that morning her eyes were just a little too wide, like a centimeter or two. Her nose was just slightly more upturned, and worst of all, her smile was just a tad too wide. The differences were so small that I was almost more startled at how startled I was, but the effect of the slight shift was so disorienting and unnerving. I don't know how to fully describe the dull panic that started to rise inside of me as she slid the plate in the empty spot in the counter in front of my chest, and her too wide smile grew even wider, and she looked into my eyes, but it was awful. There's no other way to describe it. She sat on the stool next to me and started to eat the stunning omelet she'd so lovingly prepared, and I tried to study her in profile as I picked up my identical meal. Did she have work done? I wondered, but immediately dismissed the thought as there was no way she could have had and recovered from a facelift. Andy's job was all about appearances, and very competitive at that, so she was always popping in to get a quick injection of Botox or some kind of expensive facial to keep her in the running with the high-fashion faces that she was surrounded by. But that didn't make sense either. Her face was always a little tighter or shinier after one of her procedures, but this was a new face. The same, but not her. I had gone to sleep staring at the same face I'd slept next to for five years, and this morning that face was different. Not different enough to not recognize her, but different enough to stir a cold panic deep inside of me and send me reeling as to what was going on or what I should do about it. I stole a couple quick glances to the side as we ate, but she was in profile so I couldn't get a good look at her face to confirm that I had seen what I thought I'd seen. We talked like we normally would running through the day ahead, and she laughed at my dumb jokes like she always did, and her mannerisms were the same as they always were. By the end of breakfast, I calmed myself down and convinced myself that everything was fine, and I probably just had an issue with my contacts, or the glare of the morning sun, and that of course her face was her face, and it was bizarre that I would think otherwise. 
I cleared our place while she gathered her things to leave, and when I turned to say goodbye, I almost screamed. The love of my life and my partner for five years approached me for a kiss, and I almost screamed in her face. Her gorgeous but horrible face. I took a deep breath and somehow managed to return a kiss on her too wide mouth below her too upturned nose, below her too wide eyes. And let me be clear, she didn't look like a total caricature of herself, but her face was just off, ever so slightly, and mind-shatteringly off. I sat shaking after she left, aware that I'd be late if I didn't leave. But I was much too upset to drive or even walk safely. What the fuck was happening? Why was her face different, and why did I care so much? Was it just aging? Was I a misogynistic prick who wanted to scream in his wife's face at the first sign of aging? I shook my head, knowing full well that my wife had a good five years before she showed the slightest signs of age, and that conclusively wasn't what this was. She didn't have laugh lines. She had an almost ghoulish, but ever so slight, exaggeration to her once perfect features. Fuck this, I said aloud. Took a deep breath and I left for work. I absolutely buried myself in work that day and made up an excuse that I needed to stay late to prolong seeing her face again that night. I'd again convinced myself that it was a trick of the light by the end of the day, but I just wasn't ready to confirm that was true when six o'clock rolled around. I stayed at work and caught up on menial paperwork that I'd been procrastinating for months. I finally got home around 10.30 when I knew Mindy would be sleeping, or at least in bed. Mercifully, she was sleeping when I got home and I crawled into bed next to her and gave her a squeeze. She mumbled something incoherent, and she sounded like she always did. I pressed my face into her hair, and she still smelled like herself, too. I fell asleep with my face buried in the back of her head, saying a strange prayer that this wife would be my normal wife when we both woke up in the morning, but no one heard my prayers. The next morning, I woke up just as Mindy came out of the shower, with a towel over her face while she dried it, and for a beautiful half of a second, Everything was as perfect as it had always been. The sun was shining. My perfect wife smelled exquisitely of expensive shower gels and skincare products. And it was going to be a good day. And then I saw her. She pulled down the towel and there was that face, that awful mocking face. That face that is so exactly my wife's face, but not at all. This time I ran into the bathroom and I vomited. Luckily, Mindy had turned on the news a second before I lost the contents of my stomach so she wasn't alerted to the sounds of me retching because of her face. When I was done, I got in the shower and stayed in there until I knew she'd be gone. Running behind today, sweetheart? She asked through the door at one point. Yeah, I cut myself shaving pretty bad, but I've got it almost under control, I responded, feeling guilty that I'd just been sitting on the porcelain floor fighting a panic attack the entire time. Ouch, she said. I'm glad you're okay. I'm just grabbing a bar for breakfast, so I'll leave one on the counter for you, too. Okay, I love you, I responded and almost began sobbing. I stayed late at work again that night, eventually running out of things to do but staying anyway and texting Mindy that I had a deadline and the rest of the week would be late nights for me. I spent hours in chat rooms, desperately searching for anyone who would experience something similar, but just found chat rooms and threads full of sexist pricks who had fallen out of love with their spouses the second any sign of age showed up, and this was not that. I found people who were convinced that their significant others were aliens or lizard people. And suddenly the conspiracies that absolutely laughed off in the past started to slink their awful tentacles of truth into my brain. And I knew by the end of that night that there was a good chance that I would go mad if I wasn't there already. 
I knew that there was a good chance that I would never know what was happening, and the not knowing was more terrifying than knowing, I decided. I avoided my wife's face for another two days, and by the end of the week I had a plan. I knew I needed to confirm that I was seeing what I was seeing to determine whether or not it was just me that was seeing what I was seeing. I needed to know if maybe I had a midlife crisis creeping in that was causing me to not just fall out of love with my wife, but become absolutely repulsed by her. I invited my best friend Charlie over for dinner the next night, knowing that if anyone would be able to see the difference, if there was one, it would be my best friend of two decades. He was the best man at my wedding. The three of us had vacationed together, and there were very few weeks that had gone by over the last few years where the three of us didn't go out for dinner or drinks at some point. I got home from work on time the night that Charlie was scheduled to come over and spent a couple agonizing hours alone with Mindy as we prepared a beautiful dinner in perfect harmony, like we always did. I'd chop while she sautéed, and she'd pour the wine at the exact moment that it had breathed long enough. Well, I knew the exact amount of dressing to add to the salad so that it would be perfectly coated and not soggy. We chatted and she made me laugh despite the pit growing in my stomach every time I glanced at her. I spent as much time as I could with my back to her so I could pretend that it was just one night out of a million perfect nights that she and I had orchestrated together. But any time I found myself face to face with her, I'd have to steady myself to keep from dropping something or letting out a horrible sound. Charlie arrived 15 minutes late like he always did and came bursting through the door in a flurry of vibrant energy and handsomeness that was so perfectly Charlie. I greeted him with a hug and took his coat as he immediately launched into a story about a woman he'd just met on the train. And when he turned to greet Mindy, his eyes trailed up to meet hers, and his face immediately fell. And he stumbled over his words for the first time since I'd met him when we were freshmen in high school. He quickly collected himself and moved forward for a hug, and anyone who didn't know him would have caught his misstep. But I knew, conclusively, in that moment, that he saw what I was seeing. For just the briefest moment, I had seen something mirrored in Charlie's eyes that I'd been feeling in myself for the past week. I saw fear. To an outside observer, the night went off without a hitch, but as someone who had shared thousands of meals with Charlie over the years, the night was a total disaster. Mindy was the impeccable host that she always was, telling interesting stories, inserting the wittiest observations, and topping off wine when it was low. Charlie said and did all the right things, bantering back with my wife, asking me insightful questions about what I had been working on, but there was something clearly wrong with my best friend. Charlie loved to drink, but was always careful not to overdo it, and that night he was throwing back his glasses of wine as quickly as Mindy could fill them. Normally we'd move to the living room for a nightcap, and a few more laughs when dinner was done, but that night Charlie excused himself as soon as the plates were cleared, making excuses about having an early day the next day, and stumbled as quickly as he could, clearly very drunk, to our front door. I followed him to the door to help him with his things, steadied him while he pulled on his coat, more drunk than I'd even realized. He embraced me in a huge hug, and just before he turned to leave, he grabbed me by the arms and looked into my eyes, seemingly on the verge of tears. This is not good, he slurred, and the tears he had been holding back began to appear. Oh God, he said, and pushed me away, turned and began fumbling for the door. What is this, he muttered, as I reached for him and tried to pull him back. What's not good, Charlie, I asked, desperate for him to confirm what I'd been seeing. What is happening, he asked no one, and yanked his arm out of my grasp. I've got to go. This is not good, he said again. It's like staring into the abyss, he mumbled to himself, and finally managed to get the door open and his body through it. He paused for a moment and looked back at me. It's not good, dude, he said solemnly. I'm sorry.
and with that he closed the door and disappeared. I stood stunned but suddenly enlightened. He was exactly right. Looking at Mindy was exactly like staring into an abyss. Looking at her felt like a reminder that humans had stored something in their DNA that came from someone or something we desperately wanted to forget. Like there was something at some point that was simultaneously human and not human at all. And we as a species had banished it, but now it was somehow back and inhabiting my wife. I went to the dining room table that Mindy had half cleared and downed the remnants of any wine left in glasses. Then locked myself in the bathroom where I turned on the shower and just sat on the floor sobbing. What the fuck was I going to do? Something was very clearly wrong, but I didn't know what, and I had no idea how to solve it. Mindy was exactly the same person in every single way except for her face. How could I abandon the woman I loved with every shred of my being, but on the other hand, how could I stay with a woman whose face gave me an existential panic every time I looked at her? Could I adjust to the horror of seeing the cosmos and unseen threats in my wife's lovely features any time I glanced her way? Could I adjust to constantly being reminded that there are evils that I cannot comprehend any time I look at the woman I love? I sobbed for a while and screamed into a bath towel. And when I was finally fully physically exhausted, I took two of the heavy-duty sleeping pills I kept around for emergencies and climbed into bed next to my gorgeous wife and tried not to think about our doomed future. Mandy lost her job the following week. They gave her an excuse that they were downsizing, but we couldn't find any evidence that was true, as all of her peers' jobs seemed perfectly intact. Friends started to find excuses to decline our offers to meet up, and neighbors started to quicken their pace when they saw us in the hallway. It's been a year since I saw Charlie, and I think he may have blocked my number at this point. I continued to work, as much as I could physically bear, and began to blatantly lie to my wife to find excuses to spend weekends apart. Mindy has naturally become convinced that I'm having an affair, and has a therapy appointment set up for us next week. I'm 100% sure the therapist will find a reason she can't see us anymore after one session. The anticipation of seeing her face has become just as awful as the nightmarish moment when my eyes make contact with her ever so slightly distorted features. I'd like to say that there are moments when I'm not thinking about the hell that my life has become, but there is no escape. Even if there was a brief and blissful break in thinking about the fact that I will inevitably completely abandon the woman I love with my whole heart, that moment is filled with the deep and incomprehensible terror of remembering that her face means something. I don't know what it means, but something deep in the back of my heart and mind does, and it doesn't like what it knows. My cells scream out when I look at her, and tell me, like an orchestra of tiny horrors, to fucking run. story was written by Courtney Eck and narrated by Jarrett Ferratusco. For more scary stories that you cannot get out of your head, please join our Patreon at patreon backslash please leave pod. Please follow Please Leave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at please leave pod. Our email is please leave pod at gmail.com and our website is please leave pod.com. This has been a Two Penguins Media Production. Quack. <laughs>